0: And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.
1: Hey everyone, J.J. Cooper, Carlos Galazzo, joining you on another Baseball America Draft podcast. We're going to talk... Meaty draft stuff. And I say meaty because we get in the weeds a little bit on these, you know, because yeah. that's what you all seem to uh, enjoy. Now, when I say weeds, we kind of, a lot of it's first round types. Where we could really go yeah. into the weeds on this and to analyze the uh, potential day three sleepers, but we're not going to go there yet. We're no, there not
2: yet. We're, we're slowly getting there, and you can get more into the weeds uh, on the website. It's a lot easier to get into the weeds uh, in writing form than, than podcast form. I would say, but no, we're gonna talk about a number of different things. I think, I think pitching is probably at the forefront of our minds say, right now. Yeah,
1: it's, it is. The question of this class is not, is this a great college pitching class, draft class? That's a, the answer to that is, a, is an extremely easy yes. Mm-hmm. The question really comes down to, okay, just how good is this college pitching class? Yeah. Better than last year by far
2: <laughs> we didn't have to do much for it to be better than last year
1: that's that's going from bottom of the scale to top of the scale yep but the question you know following that up is is okay well when's the best when's been when's the last time there was a class that was this good and the thing that just seems like an overriding theme is every time we make a call, every time we text someone mm-hmm. we're hearing about someone else who Not like, oh, you know, this guy's okay. We're hearing about a guy like, that guy is uh, second-round talent, third-round talent. That's the
2: thing is like, and we talked about this kind of offline the other day, JJ, is we're having so many calls with scouts who are shooting pitchers up and seeing guys pop up into what they're saying, second- or third-round range, kind of late day one, early day two range. And we've heard from so many of these guys, and I've asked some scouts about kind of how – how does your scale change considering the amount of depth in this class? And in one area, scout told me, yeah, for us, we're going to see a lot of guys who, uh, in any other year, are second-round talents, and we still see them as second-round talents because that's kind of the scale that you develop after doing this for a few years. But those guys, uh, a number of them, are going to slide into the fourth round, third, fourth round. So that well, just kind of speaks to the to amount change. of depth, exactly. They should so. say
1: that this is a second-round talent. I see guys every year. Yeah, this guy's equivalent to the second-round kind of guy. Mm-hmm but this year that might be a third round
2: guy. Exactly. They're just not enough picks in the second round to fit all of those guys who we're hearing fit in that range. So the challenge this year, um, and the national guys for all the teams are going to have to do this, scouting directors and coordinators and assistants. The challenge is lining those guys up uh, because there is a gigantic tier uh, of pitching after we kind of get out of the Asa Lacey, Emerson Hancock, Reed Detmers, Max Myra. After that grouping... Kind of once you get into the Cole Wilcox, C.J. Van Eyck range, there are a number of guys who, who fit in that range, and there are a number hey, of pitchers number. who... number,
1: we mean a dozens.
2: S- yeah, a significant... Almost. We had 10 guys, yes, in our stock watch piece on Tuesday. You can check that out online if you haven't read it yet. 10 guys who are rising. I think four of those were guys who are doing things well that are currently ranked, and not all those guys were currently ranked in the first round range. In fact, I think only one or two was in that stock watch piece but a vast majority of them are guys who we don't have ranked currently outside of our top 200, some of whom we were aware of, some of whom we weren't aware of. And even after that piece, which I felt like we had a bunch of really good information on a number of guys who are rising, we hear about another kid, Nick Garcia, a division three arm out of My Chapman. Friend.
1: I knew about him. <laughs> I'd had a long conversation about him, and I would failed to put him in the mask. Well, no, you're good. In our we're, database yet?
2: Bec- but there's just that's the thing. There's just so many pitchers. It's it's kind of hard to keep track of them all. But Garcia's a guy who scouts were aware of last year. But again, he's a guy who is coming out. He's throwing harder. He has a history of not throwing strikes. He's doing a better job, and that that's kind of one thing that I'm curious to see. Because right now we have so many of these pitchers, and largely on paper at least. There are a lot of pitchers who are just racking up a ton of strikeouts versus teams that you kind of would think are not really at that that caliber uh, of hitter. I guess now there are some exceptions. Bryce Jarvis and Reed Detmers both carved good ACC teams this past weekend. But I think as but we kind of that was the
1: first conference play anywhere. Exactly. I
2: think one. I think as we kind of get into conference play, I'm hoping at least that these guys kind of start to separate themselves. Because this grouping in like the 30 to 70 range, as far as overall ranking, there are so many arms that well, you could order them in to, any number of different ways. To give an
1: example, and again, we we know, we we had this conversation offline and we're now bringing it online, mm-hmm. but we, we had, we talked about it, it's like, okay, last year, when you talked about the late first to second round guys, mm-hmm. you were talking about, The Seth Johnsons, the Matt Cantorinos, the Ethan Smalls, the Mm -hmm. Tommy Henrys, you know, the Dre Jamesons, the guys like that. Those were, again, nothing against those guys, but really, almost across the board, those were guys who, they were there partly because you're going to take some college pitchers.
2: Yep. and I think we talked about it before the draft last year. We said just because of the college pitching, there are going to be some guys who a couple teams have a little higher and they sneak up into that back of the first comp round range early second. And this year you're not going to be pushing guys up so much as there are just going to be so many available when you're picking there. I
1: was going to say, you compare those to the Cade Cavallis, the Bobby Millers, the C.J. Van Ikes, the Nick Garcias, the – Ian Seymour's, the... Christian Roa,
2: Tommy Mace, Jared Schuster, Schuster, Tyler Brown. We could
1: keep going and going and going. Like, if you compare those to the, you know, the Cole Henry and Bryce Jarvis's, like, you could just keep going. Mm -hmm. And part of this is, is like, you know, there are going to be guys. Cole Henry's an example. Cole Henry's draft-eligible sophomore. Yeah.
2: It might be a tough year for a lot of these draft-eligible sophomores. They might think, hey... We had a solid year. There's a lot of pitching. Let's just run it back another year.
1: J- JT Ginn, the biggest example. JT mm-hmm. Ginn, the most prominent... Well, excuse me. One of two. I'll throw Cole Wilcox. In I think role.
2: it's fair. I mean, entering the season, we had him ranked significantly right. higher. Not significant, but a tier higher than Cole, so I think but it's fair to call JT him the... JT
1: a... Ginn, coming into the year, draft-eligible sophomore, mm-hmm. strong year, could have easily put himself... I would say in that... Top of that second tier, and again, I'm not saying I don't think he's going to pass Ace Lacy, even with a good year. He is a shorter right hander. Yeah, there have always been concerns about is he a starter, reliever, long term, all For that. Sure. But really good stuff. Had a great freshman year that tailed off a little bit. Maybe he, you know, was starting to show the effects of the injury that ended up. He has had Tommy John surgery. He's basically missing this whole year. Mm-hmm. If that had been the case last year, you know, it would have been like what you'd already seen from JT again. You been like, this guy's one of the best guys in the class. Mm-hmm. This year. Draft eligible sophomore, he still may go, you know, first round. He Mm -hmm. went first round in high school. He still may go first round. However, if you're picking 18, 20, 22, 24, this year you're choosing between him and someone who's really talented as a college pitcher, who's healthy, Mm -hmm. who you saw pitch all the way through, you know, conference play, conference tournament. And that's the kind of thing... The Cole Henrys of the world, who last year, you know, Cole Henry's available in last year's draft, you're like, man, there's a lot of like here. Yeah. This year, like, I like them, but I may have, may literally have 14, 15 college pitchers higher on the board than him.
2: Yeah, and, and that's not an exaggeration at all. I think there's so much more stuff in this year's class. Uh, and what we've seen this year is, last year we had a lot of, a lot of the guys in our top tier of pitchers entering the season, were pitchers who already had question marks about their, their ability to start. There were relievers coming into the year. Or they there, had no track record. Exactly. There, there are a lot more guys with track record kind of just to start this year. And then we've also had a number of guys who have very early on answered a lot of questions. There are a lot of guys here who have really good stuff but He's, had strike who questions. Who two guys
1: who have answered questions?
2: I think one is Ian Seymour, a left-hander at Virginia Tech. Entering the year, there were a lot of questions about his reliever risk. I don't think scouts love the operation but he's a guy who has a track record of throwing strikes. The stuff is still good. He's handling a starter load. So he's kind of starting to ease some of those questions and at least give himself a chance uh, to start at the next level. He's done that really well. I think another guy is Jared Schuster. So he didn't have the same questions, uh, same reliever questions, but he's a guy who was always a solid uh, left-handed pitcher, and now the stuff has ticked up to a whole nother level where he's in consideration for middle of day one. Late first round, if he holds it up, Bryce Jarvis is another guy. I mean, he's a guy who threw pretty good strikes, always had solid off-speed, had a history of striking out batters, but his stuff took an exceptional jump over the summer, uh, into the fall, and he's held it. If Jarvis holds his stuff throughout I, the si- spring, he could go in the first round. I, no one, rate at all.
1: I, it's hard to argue. Uh, you can find guys who mm-hmm. can make the argument pitched as well as Bryce Jarvis. Mm-hmm. We can confidently say no one has pitched better. Like He already has a perfect game on his resume this year, and he has a second game where he took a perfect game into the seventh inning.
2: I was at that game, and it was arguably the most impressive amateur pitching performance I've ever seen. Now, there are plenty of people who have been around the game longer that have seen a lot more games than me, but I think that's impressive. I mean, the only pitcher that comes to mind is Ethan Hankins, and that was a shorter inning against high school batters, so
1: Not, yeah, those it doesn't
2: really compare. This was him showing... Three-plus pitches across the board, plus command, up-tempo, spotting everything he wanted in the zone, getting whiffs with all of his pitches.
1: Against a conference opponent.
2: Yeah, and Florida State strikes out a lot, but they have some good batters in that lineup too, and he made them look silly. (laughs) They have
1: guys who were expected to go reasonably well this year in the draft.
2: They had (laughs) – their guys were looking silly against drivers. And there's just a number of arms like that. I mean, there's a kid, Landon Knack, at East Tennessee State who, again, he's a senior. He's probably going to be a priority senior sign this year. He has a history of uh, throwing pretty good strikes, uh, pretty good walk rates and strikeout rates throughout his career, but his stuff went from low 90s to he's touching 97, 98 consistently. There are just so many arms like this that are just popping up and impressing, and I guess it's easy to let it be overwhelming. Now, personally, selfishly, I'm hoping these guys all sort themselves out because that will make my job easier. But
1: right, it's, it's Again, part of the problem is this when we... What the joking is, you know, it's it's almost a joke. But mm. if we end up with fifty guys who are second round talents, oh, there's that's a the second round guy. Mm-hmm. Well, there's the, the the round only has thirty picks, mm-hmm. twenty nine, I guess this year because of uh, you know the Astros penalty. Like that's not something where you it makes it you know again that's we're not complaining. We'll work it out. You know, we'll have yeah. to line them up. But this makes
2: it a little more challenging than previous years, which there's there's a lot of fun in that too.
1: The other thing about that is is that the other thing that that means is so. The depth of that group is so impressive mm-hmm. that then you get to the next group, and it's better than normally that group is. Mm-hmm. the 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 day two guys, the legit like. I do feel like that when you get to the fourth, fifth round this year, mm-hmm. you're gonna have better arms to choose from than you almost ever have to choose from. In the fourth yeah. Or
2: fifth yeah, and we'll have to like see how it works out and kind of compare it to previous years, but I, would be, I wouldn't be surprised at all if that happened. I mean, there are guys like Adam Seminaris at uh, Long Beach State who's a really advanced pitcher, a really advanced left-hander. There are guys like um, Kyle Hurt has shown good stuff already. He's a guy who's probably going to go on day two. I mean, Seth Lonsway is a guy who has some strike-throwing concerns with the stuff is ticking up. I mean, Ryan Webb is maybe the fourth or fifth best pitcher on Georgia's team, just pure he's talent-wise, in- and he's got... Plus stuff across the board as a lefty with a chance to start, like although it's, it's I mean, ridiculous. Oh, he's
1: relieving now. So he's he's just, relieving now, but, he sh- but he's throwing he, like multiple inning outings too, right? Yeah,
2: he's he's. I think he threw five innings in their opening uh, opening weekend game uh, that Emerson Hancock wasn't great in. And I talked to some scouts who were like, "Yeah, this guy. There's no reason you don't send this guy out in pro ball as a starter." It's just there's a wealth of pitching really across the board, and like you said, every time we talk to a scout, there's another guy who's popping up. So
1: okay, so now I'm going to put you on the spot flipping it back to the top of the draft. Mm-hmm. Right now, if no one is crazy enough to give you the 1-1 pick, but if they did. Yeah, don't do that. <laughs> 1-1, who would you take?
2: Yeah, we've been having this conversation a lot kind of in the office and I've been throwing it around to scouts when I'm talking with them as well. I think I have my answer. I think there is a lot, so if you're picking one, there's a lot of like Gamesmanship and draft philosophy—you could talk about with this because I think this would be a good draft class to take a batch. You like up top, and you have so many pitchers to choose from. You can get those guys, and you can get some really talented guys you're later.
1: One, and then you're picking again at like 37. There's whatever going to be anything.
2: some real talent there. For and, and again, like if there's a pitcher who you think is the best player in the class, you take him. But for me, there are three. For me personally, if that's what we're talking about—not the industry—and we can flip that question mm-hmm. if you'd rather. But the three the, guys do, yeah. the three guys that I personally would be looking at if I was choosing 1-1 one, one is Austin Martin, the center fielder at Vanderbilt, Spencer Torkelson, Arizona State Slugger, and Asa Lacy. We recently watched some Asa Lacy video and some Emerson Hancock video, and we're kind of deliberating between the two. But I think those three are the guys I'd, I'd debate on taking 1-1. One, one. I think the first guy I would eliminate is Torkelson just because – There's never been a college first baseman drafted 1-1 overall. I think while the bat is extremely special, I would want to try to get a more complete all-around player if I'm picking 1-1. That would be my philosophy. Um, And then I think that I'd just rather go with the upside of the everyday player who has a chance to play a couple premium positions, gives you uh, running value, gives you defensive value, and also has a very special bat. So I think I would go with Austin Martin, but if you told me you wanted to take Torkelson or you said, hey, Asa Lacy could be a front-line left-hander with plus stuff across the board, I mean, I don't think the separation of any of these guys is, is too huge. But I think Austin Martin, I've talked with enough scouts who think he, he might have the best upside in the class just when you combine the whole profile, plus center field potential, plus runner, plus hit tool, power potential is developing. I like a lot of what he gives you.
1: I'm going to, if I would, if someone was... Crazy enough to give me the one one, I'm going Ace Lacy. Yeah. And That's my reason, second choice at this point. The reasons being is we can talk about projection and all that. And mm-hmm. you're right. Like Austin Martin, like the, the concerns with Austin Martin are also kind of like they're they're kind of use. Torque, yeah, Torx is great bat, and you know you're not gonna get a whole lot of defensive value mm-hmm. out. Okay. Austin Martin is a very impressive bat, and the question is is okay, so where are you gonna play him defensively? Mm-hmm. But the answers of where you're going to play him defensively are generally pretty useful places. Yeah, he's not going to, you know, it, it's it's notable. Like you could still see a team taking him and sitting him out as a shortstop potentially, but unlikely, right?
2: Oh, I don't know why. I, I mean, if it's me, I don't know why you don't run him out of shortstop just to see what he can do. You, if it doesn't right. work, but you, but you can find out pretty it, quickly. Yeah,
1: you may run him out there, but you don't. Yeah, expect. I would
2: imagine the the track record of guys who don't play shortstop on their college team. Turning into MLB shortstop. Exactly. Come so, up with. so it's a small group, but again, regardless of
1: where he plays, and by the I don't league, think from that ju- standpoint, Paul DeYoung is is it kind of interesting in that. Now, again, they're very different. I think Austin Martin's significantly more athletic than Paul DeYoung, but Paul DeYoung played a little bit of everywhere at mm-hmm. Illinois State, and then ends up being a useful big league shortstop. Yeah. Austin Martin, I do think that part of Austin Martin's thing at Vanderbilt is is that his versatility. Mm-hmm has kind of allowed them to say, you know what, wherever we need
2: That's the thing. He's not moving around because he doesn't have a home. He's moving around because he can do so many things for Carter you.
1: Young's fine a shortstop for them, they don't going to put him a shortstop. Yep. Oh okay, we actually need a center more than third base, although he's played some third base as well. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's kind of like he is yeah. useful that way. So
2: circling back to Asa, Lacey, what is it about him that you like as a one one pick?
1: I just don't think if I'm picking one one and I have the chance to take someone, like when we talked about Adley Rushman last year mm-hmm. at 1-1. To me, Adley Rushman, you know, we can talk about upside and all that, but at the same time, there's also the, okay, so what do you already do? Yep. And my thing with Rushman last year, my thing, like Adley Rushman, you're not projecting. Again, yes, he's going from college ball to pro ball. Mm-hmm. But you're saying, does he really have to improve the defense that much? No, you're pretty much seeing, yeah, he's going to have to handle more consistently better stuff. Mm -hmm. But the reality is is he was catching some really good talent, you know, at at Oregon State. Okay. And with USA. Yeah, on Team USA. As a you know, and by the way, he was also showing off an eighty arm and he was doing, you know, an athleticism and all that. And as a hitter, it's like, no, there's not much that you can't there's not much not to like about him as a hitter. Mm -hmm. He had all that. Ace Lacy I don't think you're asking Ace Lacy you're not saying he needs to do this and this, and this, Mm -hmm. to go from being arguably, you know, one of the best pitchers in college baseball to being a successful big league starter. You're saying if you take this ACLAC and just give him the benefit of experience, but take his stuff as it is right now, you you don't, you know, and then the other part of it is this, and show that he can maintain it, Mm -hmm. pitching every fifth day, not every seventh, which is significant, but if he just do, does those things, which, by the way, he's physical. He's, you know, he's already – you're not projecting the body. The great frame,
2: great delivery, clean, easy, some deception.
1: And, uh, again, and fastball command already. Yeah. With, with I mean, with big-time stuff, Not but it's not just you're saying
2: – Yeah, he's dotting 94, 95 and putting it in Dixie Cup. you know. Yeah.
1: And so, to me, that combination, multiple pitches that are plus right now mm-hmm. – you just, you're not having to project, and even in, we talk about how great this college pitching class is. Mm-hmm. To me, right now, as it stands, he is a clear notch above anyone else in this class.
2: You'd put him a clear notch above Emerson Hancock as well? Yes. Okay.
1: Yes. Like, I mean, again, no, and lefty, righty, for one, you mm-hmm. know, okay. That helps. That helps, but...
2: I think there are more, I think I think that it's fair. I would have them in the same tier, I would have... ASA is probably the one A and Hancock the one B. I think there are more questions you could have with Hancock at this point, so I think that's perfectly fair.
1: I'd say it's one and two to me. Like, okay. and, and again, when I say that now, I think we should acknowledge that when we're talking about this, you need to look at the totality. Like mm-hmm. Emerson Hancock was better last year. I would I would say right now than he's been so far this year. Like, not like by a dramatic amount. It's not, I don't want to make it sound like that Emerson Hancock. Has been scuffling out there. Yeah. But but against you know as good, if not better, competition, Ace Lacy's fastball has, you know, has played better this year, mm-hmm. um, I would say that one of Emerson Hancock's you know biggest attributes is fastball command, and I don't mm-hmm. think you can really say I I guess I would flip it back to you. What does Emerson Hancock do significantly better than Ace Lacy right now?
2: Yeah, and I don't know that I'd have. I don't know that I would necessarily have anything that he would do better. I think that if you look at total track record, I don't think it would be too hard to find scouts who would say Emerson's fastball command is better. But like you said, what we've seen from Acelay so far this year, uh, I don't think they're too far apart in that regard. And then you also have more questions about how the fastball plays. And I think that's definitely in Asa favor. I think favor.
1: Ace fastball plays better.
2: I think the breaking ball that Asa has is more consistently a swing and miss pitch. And whether that's to do with arm slot, deception, or, or just the natural spin of the pitch, I can tell you why that is right now. But I would guess a lot of those elements have something to do with it. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I, I think that Asa is ahead right now. I just, I, I'm curious to know what the industry thinks of that gap. How big is that gap? Is it growing? Um, or are we just nitpicking the top guys, which you do need to nitpick yeah, them if we, you're, we, if you're we, picking yeah, at we're, the top. We're
1: absolutely. Let me make clear. Yeah. Emerson Hancock, really good. Yeah. I not, we are absolutely nitpicking, mm-hmm. but we're saying, hey, who would you take one? Yep. The only way you're – this is a year where the guys on the board at one are going to be really good, and mm-hmm. so you are getting into the – you are straining through the nits to pick because mm-hmm. you're saying – this guy's good, this guy's good, this guy's good, this guy's good. Which one's the best?
2: Yep. No and doubt.
1: That's, you know, that's, that's where it is to me right now. But the other part that I think that was very important that you spelled out, which is we're just starting. This is yeah. just getting going because mm-hmm. conference play in the SEC is, you know, we haven't, we're, we're just getting to it. And we're going to, the good thing about the they're actually going to face each other.
2: Yeah. It's going to be awesome. Two There's weeks, some really good matchups now, coming I up. Correctly. Yeah. I mean, opening SEC matchup, we got uh, Carmen Majinski and Garrett Crochet. I'm going to head down to that one. I can't wait for SEC play to get going. It's going to be awesome.
1: By the way, that is one last thing before we get to questions yeah. that was notable. and You mentioned it in the stopwatch this week. Garrett Crochet getting back on the mound was important.
2: It was very important, and the stuff, it sounds like the stuff was as good as it's been for him. He didn't throw a ton of innings, which makes sense. Um, so, yeah, it's it's great that he's back. I mean, the two guys who had injury concerns that we had in first round consideration were again in Garrett Crochet. One of those, obviously, is out for the year. Uh, hopefully, Crochet can stay on the rubber the rest of the season because he's a guy who we talked about it before the season. He's got a chance to move into the top 10. I mean, that kind of stuff, that body from the left side is elite. And if he can show that he's healthy and improve kind of the consistency of some of his secondaries and show he can start full time, I think this is the first year he'll be a full time starter. Um, that'll be very impressive for him, or very, very. It'll be key for him.
1: But uh, so we do have some questions. We want to get to some of those. Uh, Tim Hugh asks: Patrick Bailey seems to get beaten up in draft lists. Is often near thirty. Nonetheless, he likely fixes catcher for whoever drafts him for five to seven years. Mm-hmm. Which teams like seem likely to take safety from Bailey over pitching upside? I mean, I'm, I'm going to answer part of this question right now, which is: is that we are so far away that which teams becomes hard? Feel free to address that, but yeah. I did want to kind of throw the question of: Is Patrick Bailey? Why, why does he rank where he does? You know, what's kind of the to do list, and yeah. you know, and is would you agree with Tim that he seems like a very safe thing?
2: Um, probably. I, I mean, I think there's a lot of stuff that that's going to allow him to have a major league career. It, I mean, it's there's some Shea Langelier's comparisons you could draw. I think they're very different players, but as far as they both have the defensive tools to where you can easily see a path to the major leagues. He's one of the better catch-and-throw defenders in the class. He has that reputation dating back to his high school days. Uh, Also, shout-out to Tim. He's consistently asking us questions and interacting on Twitter, so thanks for sending us another good one. I don't think... I'm not aware of other people's lists to the extent that that I'm aware of our lists. We've never had Patrick Bailey near 30. He's kind of always been towards the middle of the first round, Mm -hmm. and after all the conversations I've had with scouts this spring, I expect him to go anywhere in the 10 to 20, maybe 22 range at this point. I mean... If you look at him as a hitter, he, he might have uh, a few teams that are putting below average hit tool grades, but he's got power and he's got elite defensive ability. That's very attractive to a number of teams. Um, I mean, in his first two years with State, he was double-digit home runs both both times, so he has a chance to give you impact at the position. Um, and if they're, I'm sure a team who's going to take him in the first round is going to be a little bit more optimistic about the hit tool. He's hit very well lately. I mean, but a switch-hitting catcher with solid average raw power maybe above average raw power and his defensive ability i think that's a pretty safe profile generally um so i wouldn't be too concerned with him uh and i don't see him going towards the back of the first i think he's more middle of the first at this point
1: uh, along those lines this is a question from me to you but okay spot, uh, jj is, cooper thanks for the JJ question cooper, on twitter <laughs> you know jj Cooper 36 <laughs> asks uh, so last year we had seven high school guys taking the top 20 picks over under this year
2: Seven in the top 20. Seven in the
1: top 20. Under. If I said five this year, would you go over or under?
2: Okay, so let's go through them. Zach Veen seems like a lock to be top 20. Austin Hendrick, probably a lock to be top 20. I'm skipping over the pitchers for now because the high school pitchers are always scary. Ed Howard, wouldn't surprise me either way. I could see him going top 20. I could see him going just after that. I think Pete Crow Armstrong and Robert Hassel are the other two who at this point if they didn't go top twenty. I would be a little surprised. Pete Crow Armstrong has done really well for himself, and Robert Hassel might be the best hitter in the class. And generally, that guy gets taken there.
1: Was that so, big, I mean, would that be would Robert Hassel be the Corbin Carroll type? Like that? I felt like Corbin Carroll probably again, take the shortstops out of it last year. Like mm-hmm. we had at the top, like that was like he was a really good hitter.
2: I think there are some differences in the profile. I think Corbin offers more speed, more defensive. Uh, value. He's a center fielder. Hassel's probably a corner guy, but as far as like hit tool and the quality of their hit tool, I think there are some similarities you could draw there. Um, Hassel's also a little bit more physical. Um, but yeah, I mean, Corbin was one of the better hitters in his class and Hassel is, is right there with him. So.
1: so you sound like you would say over.
2: If, it, if it's seven, I would say under. For uh, top 20? I
1: said five. I'm five saying in the top This 20. college class is so good. Last year, I was think not.
2: five is the gr- the right Un, over under to set that's it. That's why at. I put it yeah, out. That's, of there. Yeah, that's so a good go one. Over, I'll, I'll take under just because. Again, we we see the high school pitchers slide, and it's not that they're not going to get their money sliding down. They just they tend to slide.
1: There was there was one high school pitcher taken in the top twenty last year, in what was a horrifically bad college pitcher. Yeah, class. so
2: I think the safe bet is probably under at this point, just because yeah we've talked about it. I mean, there's so much college talent. I, I would imagine you would say under as well.
1: Uh, I. I picked five to put you on the spot, because I think, okay. there's gonna, I think the answer is going to be five. I'm going to say push. I'll, I'll take the under. So um, that leads right into a question from Beer Emoji. Um, nice Twitter handle. CHB eight three six seven. Do you feel that Pete Crow Armstrong could fall to the Mets at 19? I'll have that first. He's got a second part, but I'll do that first. We just talked about PCA. Yeah. Um, well, let me
2: just answer that real quick for you. Pete Crow Armstrong has done nothing but... Improve his stock so far this spring. He's hitting for more impact. Uh, the arm looks better than it did last summer. He, I mean, he has he's he's got a great profile. Plus plus defender in center field. Plus runner. He's not going to have a ton of power. I think it's more probably solid average is your optimistic game power for him, and it's going to be more doubles. But the fact that he's showing more impact is easing a lot of concerns that he had over the summer. I've heard scouts that that said he is definitely going to go top fifteen. That's probably the optimistic take at this point.
1: I, mean, I do remember, two years ago, people were coming up with slogans for, you know...
2: Oh, I was coming up with them, too. I, I was all aboard the what PCA was, what, what bandwagon. What
1: was your favorite uh, slogan to tank? Oh,
2: ta- to? I think it was like, tank today for PCA. I yeah, think that's okay. what that's, I had. Or, yeah. or, or lose today for PCA. Something like that. Lose today for lose PCA. Lose today for PCA, which he's still a great player. I think we the We haven't one, come
1: up with a good Lacey motto yet, have we?
2: No, he, I don't think he's torque. ever... We had one, I think. Tank yeah. for Torque. Tank for Torque. Yeah, of yeah. course. PCA, I think the one question you're going to have is, do the guys, the guys who are making the t- decisions at the top, how worried are they going to be about the Mickey Moniacs and the Blake Rutherfords of the world? And how much do those players' struggles affect the evaluation and the outlook for Pete Crow Armstrong? I think that's the big question, and depending on what teams think of that is, is where he's going to go. I think it wouldn't shock me if he was available there. It wouldn't shock me if he was gone before that pick. Uh, Sorry for a non-answer. Is
1: is Max Meyer a top 10 pick?
2: Yeah, I think so. I mean, he's not a lock again. None of these, I would hate to say, we got 91 days for the draft, so none of these guys are locks. None of these guys
1: are locks, but I would say like...
2: But as far as stuff, what he's shown this year, ability to start, I mean, he might have the best breaking ball in the entire class. He's got the best amateur breaking ball that scouts have seen in years. Some people have said it's the best they've ever seen. There's a lot of stuff to really like. Um, Yeah, I think he has a definite chance. He might be the fourth college pitcher on the board and the first three are definite locks to go top 10 so it wouldn't shock me if he was as well uh
1: joe de asks i know it's early but who is the most likely high school player to have a matthew allen type situation top 20 prospect falls to signability but ends up signing or was allen sort of a one-off situation in your eye
2: so top 20 prospect i guess we've got three two or three high school pitchers that that would include if you're doing top 20 right now um, actually, let me see where Nick Bitsko is on our list currently because he's that guy that's on the fringe. Nick Bitsko we have is 21, so we only have two high school pitchers that would even that would even be in consideration for this little thought experiment. That's Jared Kelly, the Texas right-hander. You can see video of him on my Twitter feed if you haven't seen him lately. Uh, and then Mick Abel. And Mick Abel I haven't heard a ton on just yet um, just because they start a little bit later. But it wouldn't surprise me if either of those Come guys... On,
1: you need to be fair to those guys <laughs> who haven't started yet.
2: It wouldn't. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if either of these guys slid past that, just because, like we've said, high school pitchers tend to slide. The college pitching is so good, yada yada. But I mean, that the Matt Allen situation is such a specific thing. Like he slid and still got paid. This is the question: Who who are some guys who could slide and get paid? I guess both these right, guys could. I would just
1: say, I, and to me, like that's when you say, "Is that a one-off situation?" That's an unusual situation. It can happen again, mm-hmm. but you know we don't see that happen every year is the thing i would say is yeah. like matthew allen got paid uh, effectively while sliding to you know out of the first, out of day 1 that it happens you got 2.5 in the third right. is that what it was I mean, it, it happens but it's not a it's not a regular occurrence partly because i mean the reality of it is is that for that to happen in some way it basically means okay because you know, at the end of the day, I, I, you know, we've done some reporting on this, but there were he fell, but then he didn't get he didn't get he didn't get four point five mil by falling. He got two, you know, he got a number that basically I have to imagine that there were teams in the second, you know, the late first or the second round who were probably floating similar numbers to him mm-hmm. because that's the range and that's what he got. Yeah, like so. You know, that's an unusual situation, and again, it was an unusual one that the Mets basically they decided, you know what, we're going to go all in.
2: Which, it would be interesting, would be, I don't want to dive too, too far into the weeds, but there are a number of interesting senior pitchers that have some upside, that if a team wanted to pull the Mets strategy this year, I think you could have some success with it. It would be interesting if another I'll be team i interested,
1: though, like, okay, so how much, what, what is the, the the asking price of those seniors, mm-hmm. because well, some of these... they are, don't
2: have leverage, what are they going to do? you don't have a ton of leverage
1: the leverage you have is is if you have other teams who are willing to actually pay you
2: yeah that's a dangerous game to play though it is
1: it is you know it very much is Um, davis chili which i believe you know that thumbs up on that one Uh, (laughs) you know uh, yes so who do you see as the performance what do you see as the performance ceiling for reed detmers number three starter better or worse reed detmers louisville's Ace, who uh, Josh Norris has some good video and a good write-up of him in the stock watch as well. Yeah, oh,
2: you watch. can get all the details about that. Josh was really impressed with him. I threw this one by Josh. I thought just off, off the top of my head, I thought number three starter as like an optimistic upside was completely reasonable for Detmers. I mean, he's a, a college lefty with exceptionally good command of pretty much his entire arsenal. Doesn't have a blow-you-away fastball, but he's a left-hander, so the bar's a little bit lower for that fastball below.
1: I'm going mean, to say a four.
2: I think three, I think three again, my, the optimistic upside, three, perfectly reasonable to me. If everything goes well, he adds a tick or two. He's a very polished pitcher with the ability to throw uh, a professional breaking ball. If like, you want
1: to be crazy about it, let's say the Indians draft him and he finds you know, an additional uh, two to three miles an hour to go with that command and that ability to pitch, and yeah, yeah you might be talking. Yeah, about I don't think three is the most
2: likely it. outcome for him. Like you said, I think four is probably more realistic, but it, it wouldn't. If you said, hey, he's he could be a number three, that seems perfectly reasonable to me.
1: And the uh, last one, another good one. Uh, Timothy Cassidy asks, do you think Heston Kirstad is a viable option for the White Sox at pick 11? I see him as a nice left-handed compliment to Vaughn, Eloy, and Robert. Then go pitching well, two to six. So he's-
2: Yeah. Love the, love the pitching two to six idea. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked to see some teams do that this year. I think that's probably the upper band of... Uh, Realistic possibilities for Kierseth at this point, but it wouldn't surprise me. He's a very good hitter. Um, He's more athletic than a guy like Trevor Larnach a few years ago, and he has that kind of impact bat. So been around.
1: I mean, we well, very well scouted because they, Mm -hmm. you know, he's. Been a prominent dude on one of the best teams in college baseball last few years. You know.
2: Yeah, again, if he keeps if a, he keeps pop, hitting, pop
1: away from a national championship. If game.
2: he keeps hitting against SEC play, which I have no doubts that he's going to keep hitting well. Look, that wouldn't surprise me at all. He's a very good hitter. He's got impact ability. Yep.
1: And, and again, he he has made himself right now the best. Again, that's a very interesting Arkansas team, mm-hmm. uh, scouting wise. But but at this point, he's you know, if we were talking. If you rewound the clock two years ago and we were projecting it out, I think we probably would have said that that Casey Martin was probably going to be mm-hmm. the best guy in that group, and that's yep. ended up. I, I would say now it's. Uh,
2: yeah, Casey Martin struggled a little bit out of the gate, so yeah. we'll see hey, what happens. Plenty of time to figure it out, but not encouraging when your struggles come before SEC play starts. As a hater, I would say.
1: I'll say, although the, the, on the flip side of that. He has the chance now to, if he hits well in the SEC, mm-hmm. we won't remember that. Yep.
2: You know, yeah. See, the good news is for every single one of these guys, there's still plenty of time to right. to change what your what your outlook Where is. The
1: flip side of it is, is if you want to go the other way, Cameron Meisner last year, you know, mm-hmm. who had a great non-conference play. Yeah. We're writing in mid-season. It's like, man, this guy's really, you know, and then he hit a conference play and kind of, you know, fell off a cliff. And mm-hmm. that, uh, I, I would rather have, you know, I would rather do well in the SEC. No play. doubt.
2: uh, It's a good call.
1: There's a lot of good questions there. We thank you all for those. We thank you for all the uh, the reading, all the subscribing. You know, there's so much draft stuff at BaseballAmerica.com that we feel free to dive into. But we also will give you, our podcast listeners, a sneak peek. Coming up soon, we are going to have a fully updated uh, rankings. We're Mm -hmm. expanding it to 300. Yep. And that's going to be coming this month. So, soon. Yes. So... You know, we we really, I mean, the reality of it is is we could probably go four hundred right now, um, but we're not going. We're going to go three hundred. But
2: we want to get it vetted as well as we can yeah, at this exactly. point. Exactly. There's but, still a lot of stuff that can change,
1: and a lot of stuff's going to change. Yep. But it is a lot of interesting stuff right now. We do thank you for the download. Please, if you you know, if you get a chance, go review us at your favorite podcast supplier. Which, let's be honest, for most of you Android people like me, for most of you it's probably iTunes. Um, but to give us a review, if you would. But, uh, you know, you can also subscribe to our other podcast. Do check out From Phenom to the Farm. If you enjoy this, if you like this podcast, I feel pretty confident that you're going to enjoy that podcast. In it, Kabadujo goes out and talks to players who've gone through this. This week, it's Josh Booty, who uh, was one of the top five picks Years ago in the draft, a two-way guy, football and baseball, ended up being, you know, it, it didn't work out in baseball, and he ended up playing in the NFL as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, went back to school and, and played football as well. But, the you know... Yeah, if you Erica, like hearing
2: about the process, it's exceptional.
1: Oh, and Eric O'Flaherty was incredible on this. You know, J.P. Mm-hmm. Ramirez last week was really good. Like, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of great stuff there. And especially also, if you're listening to this and either you or a family member is going through the draft. Oh, you have to listen to it. You have to listen to this because it's telling you a lot of the stories of this is what I wish I would have known when I went through this. Yep. Or this is what I learned by going through this. Yep. So check that out. From Phenom to the Farm, well worth the download. For Carlos, I'm JJ. So long, everybody
0: Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check.